home. You're listening to Riffs and Scripts. Riffs and Scripts. My name is Carl Bryant. My name is Amber Sava. And today we have a special manly sensual guest. We have this excellent slice of man pie with us. My best mate in the world, Mr. Nath Digman. Hello, Nath. How are you doing? Good afternoon. People. People of the world. Nath, we've we've got you in. Uh, Obviously, you've never heard of us before. Um, <laughs> no, no. Pe- pe- people at home will know Nath because I talk about him all the time. Nath doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, but so Amber Nath, you knows. don't know that there's an ongoing joke about you already on the podcast. It's that I talk about you all the time, and I'm like, have you heard of Nath? That's we nice made a sound effect for it, and everything. We made a sound effect for you. I think we made a little wheel wheel. No, it was, like that. it was like Nath. Ah, ah, and it was the heart. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it, I, I just I thought it'd been feedback or something like that. <laughs> oh, fair. That's fair. Nath, um. Nath, like all guitarists, does that thing where um, you do the sound check and the sound man's like, you've got to turn that down, you've got to turn that down, you've got to turn that down. You finish sound check and you're like, right, we've got all the levels right. And Nath goes straight back to his amp, cranks the ever-loving fuck out of it. Fuck you, <laughs> Mr. Soundman. Yeah, that normally happens um, just as we go on stage. Too late for anyone to tell you off for it. For people at home who've never uh, who've never heard this podcast before and don't know because I talk about Nath literally every episode, but... Um, uh, Nath is my best mate in the world, and Nath is the lead guitarist in our band. Um, so <clears throat> Nath is my riff writing partner. Me and Nath have been um, doing a, a bit of writing recently. Nath's been off, and I'm desperately trying to finish some songwriting before he goes back back in to work so that I can send him some shit. So Nath, you'll be happy to know that last night I couldn't sleep and I ended up, up writing loads of choruses and shit. It's encouraging. There's so much to talk about with me and you. I can just sit and chat, chat bollocks with you. Nath, why don't you tell us about the writing process from your perspective? Because I'm a lead singer and thus a bullshitter. So tell me, <laughs> you know, what is writing with uh, an egomaniac like me like? Before you, you know, actually what's... answer, I just picture yeah. that Cole bounces around a dining room table thinking of really big notes and shit he wants to do. And then Nath's there going, okay, and like working out some guitar around it. Am I wrong? It's less intense when we're together. (laughs) It's more crippling self-doubt and, uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's a different different side to him from what you probably expect and from what everyone expects. And, you know, it's the same for both of us, really, like, you're both sitting there just like, is this any good or is this garbage? Yeah. yeah, we're sounding boards for each other really, aren't we? Yeah. I think. I suppose the writing process is most of the time it'll be an idea that I've had or a riff that I've got or something like that and we'll build something around that and uh, then we'll change bits as Carl sees appropriate unless I think it's really good and then... <laughs> And then you'll put we'll your foot sit, down. We'll sit on it for a bit. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a really tough thing, really. There's so many things to be conscious of the entire time. It would be great if it was probably like 30 years ago where you could just play anything and it would be unique. Yeah. yeah. Whereas these days you're constantly like, does this sound modern enough? Is this something that we're going to like in a year's time? Is this something we're going to like in two weeks' time? There's no, but that must be an issue though, where you're sat going, how much has this been done? How many ways can we think oh, of a, yeah. chord, a chord progression? How many ways yeah, are there yeah. to write? We You have it in theatre so often. Like um, there was a moment where we had um, a moment where someone got shot and we did it in slow motion and it was really good, 
but anyone who had seen Hamilton knew that that got done in Hamilton. And yeah. Hamilton won't have been the first time it got done. Uh, and it, we wouldn't have been the last. Mm. But when big things do some of those ideas, you start going, do we look like we're stealing ideas? Do, does it automatically make us less original and yeah, less yeah. interesting? There's a lot to... But we have that we have that problem all the time, Nath. Like, if, if you think about it from, like, the 50s, doing yeah. anything other than 12-bar blues was like, wow, that's so Holy innovative, shit. so interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, well, it's strange. You sort of you can sort of sit here and say it's easy. It's actually becoming easier to not write songs how we thought we how we yeah. used to. The more we're sort of doing stuff, it becomes easier all the time because you're becoming more aware of what you're avoiding. So it's almost not yeah. even making yeah. it to the plate in the first place because you're just straight away yeah. in your brain just going no, and you're just only writing things that are interesting to you as a musician, and then. It has to be interesting to me before I'd even dare to send it to Cole. Yeah. You know? I totally and agree. Part part of it is that, you know, your listening habits change and that informs how you write. You know? Yeah. Um, last couple of years, me and you have just... People would be surprised at the, the bands that we listen to having seen us live, I think. Yeah, they often... Well, they're nothing like the music that we were doing at the, at the time. I don't think I've ever told you this, Cole, but whenever I've tried to write music, I've just gotten so fucking angry at myself. I have got creativity <laughs> that can exist in so many ways. When it comes to music, I can't do it. I, I, I wrote a load of lyrics for a musical I wanted to write and I was really proud of the lyrics and I sat down with my keyboard and I was like, I can do this. I can put a tune to these lyrics and any tune I came up with was just a, something else. It was already a song that my brain went, yeah, oh, yeah. how about this? I was like, no, I'm trying to write something new and I couldn't do well, it. And literally hours later, just angrily threw my keyboard away. Like, fuck this. It, <laughs> it can be a real pain in the ass, um, especially with writing... Um, vocal lines and things because there is no musical phrase that hasn't cropped up in something over the last hundred years there's nothing yeah. that exists and your brain uh i think we might have talked about it before but your brain loves things it knows but extrapolations on it so um there's no pop song in the last 20 years that isn't partially you know got got bits that i could say oh that's from that one song from i don't know isn't she lovely or something you know um like ed sheeran songs full of full of little tune things and and most of most of the top 20 hits of the last kind of 10 15 years all have like the same chords mm. they have the same chord progressions but like in a mixed up order and um something that i think we've been trying to do nath um is i mean interestingly we we shied away from kind of traditional chord progressions in the last like two records we did i think that's fair to say but we're we're kind of tinkering with things and trying to find new ways of of dealing with more kind of established kind of progression so that we can write those big choruses with with the big hooks and things you know um we've been doing a bit of that yeah naif tell us tell us all about the stuff that me and you are currently writing on because otherwise it's just going to be me talking about it because i'm interested in it because i'm doing it with you so tell us about you know some of the stuff the influences on the stuff that we're doing at the moment uh influence wise it's a mixed bag to be fair there's some more sort of punk stuff which i think the old band we never really did that we used to do fast songs sometimes but it's a different sort of attitude punk it's well it is an attitude it's not a music as such uh you know there's a lot of modern bands like frank carter raw blood biffy clyro turbo wolf slaves kid capici 
lower than Atlantis. There's loads of stuff. I love them. There's so nothing much but stuff. thieves. We've yeah. been loving a bit of nothing but thieves recently. There's so much stuff. Um, and yeah, basically our music taste changed probably about four years ago, really. And you realise mm-hmm. that we were playing music. Well, it was interesting because the goal we set out to do with the old band was um, we deliberately wanted to do music that sort of targeted people that weren't our own age because we thought that rock music wasn't appreciated by people our own age. So we wanted to, we were like, well, there's a huge market for like older, more classic sounding music. So we were like, the music wasn't something we did consciously. That was just something that we were doing at the time because that's what came now more naturally. Mm. And now, like Carl said earlier, like our influences have changed. So we're not as you're really keen to stop doing that sort of stuff and you just want to move forward with your music and you know I think it's a maturity thing more than anything yeah I mean since we're being honest about it you know me and Nath um you gotta remember that we started this band when we were 16 we were fucking kids and we grew up as part of a band for our whole adult life so um you know we've come into adulthood together and um yeah your your music taste changes you know i think partially me me and nath when we were at school there was pop punk and there was indie and they all treated us like shit for wanting to start a band that wasn't pop punk or indie it certainly Um, wasn't it wasn't the cool thing to do let's put it that way no no and they were all they were all on dying genres you know like all the pop punk guys we knew how many pop punk bands did we know when we were at school must have been hundreds of them there was a lot of them never yeah, loads of them never did any gigs, and they're all shitting on us for saying, "Oh, you want to be in a rock band? What is wrong with you?" And I was just like, "Well, you're in a dying genre. It's going to finish in about a year and a half. What are you talking about? Green Day's already done, mate." Yeah, yeah. bitch. I mean... Wait, you said you think Green? What? Okay, so Green Day had had their heyday, and they were just coming out of their heyday. So there were bands that were just obsessed with Green Day, just like, oh my god, American Idiot is the best album in the world. And it was a great album. And okay. I like Green Day. I thought you were I slagging really off Green good. Day, and I was about to get really upset. No, I'm not slagging off Green Day, You're but they've already had they, their like moment of fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't just like, replicate them. I, you know, I actually we... don't like them for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Luke fucking loves them. He loves the drummer because he's a, he's off the he's off the fucking chain. Yeah, he is. But it's not so much I don't like them. It's more that I don't appreciate it. Yeah, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Nice, has got very nice, nice. A bit of a purist when when he, he he likes what he likes and he don't like what he don't like, and and you just got to fucking deal with it. Know what I mean? So, what are some of your favourite bands, Nate? Uh, well, there's loads. I still like a lot of the old bands. It's, I don't know. As long as it's got big riffs in it and a really good singer, I'm more or less interested. Uh, yeah. You know, big big riffs manifesto. We've been talking about that a lot recently. Yeah. <laughs> So so many bands like I love I still love all the like seventies bands like ACDC and stuff like that and yeah. even before that fifties rock and roll and stuff like that I still love stuff like that but I mean there's a band that do really good riffs and big notes but they get made fun of a lot how do you feel about Dragon Force awful <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that I knew you'd say Dragon that. Force <laughs> Amber Dragon Force do not they do not do big riffs they do they do fast a lot of wiggling. 
they no, do. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Hum me a great Dragon Force riff. That's I, not I just really like... Cl- I've cornered myself. I'm sorry. I just thought I'd okay, throw okay. like a see, grenade see, into the you conversation. Can't, you can't hum it. So, for instance, a great fucking big riff. See, that's a big fucking riff. I was Is just it not trying to be Dickman? facetious. <laughs> that's all right. I you made can be them facetious angry. fucking Dragon Force. Fucking... <laughs> I feel like shit? I just did the equivalent of people being like, yeah, I'm so into musical theatre. I've seen Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's all right. See, see, we, we shouldn't open up the can of musical theatre with Nafe. Nafe is not a fan, are you? You're not a fan of musical theatre? I like Starlight Express. <laughs> okay. It's all right. Everyone is offended. We've we've already got the tension in the room going. It's all good. <laughs> in in the virtual room. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, in the virtual. In the see, obviously, we're not doing this in my home because ideally, both of you should be in my home. I haven't seen Nath in five months. We worked it out the other day, didn't we? Mm. To be fair, to musical theatre, it's probably not that I'm not interested in it as such. It's probably more that I only have certain time in my life for things to enjoy, and music is pretty much it yeah for sure i mean uh, i've said this before but also musical theater isn't one genre it's it's a way of doing something but there's there's such a broad spectrum you know there's a big difference between i don't know bullets over broadway and bugsy malone and hamilton and they're they're different from each other and then you've there's just so much so like it's kind of difficult to love or hate all of it anyway it doesn't really work that way no, you um, we've talked about that in before, like, because because yeah. I always love Chicago, because all the weird jazz stuff. <sighs> Fucking love which Chicago. Which Nath might like Chicago, to be honest, because it's got all these weird jazz stuff going on and and just just interesting little widdly bits and things, you know. I mean, I love all that stuff, but you know, it's just um, it, it's 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 a type of medium that is a bit alien to a lot of people. I yeah, think. yeah. Anyway, absolutely. let's talk about something Nath can talk about because he for knows sure, about. Sure. Nath, why is it so difficult playing with all these shitty singers being such a bunch of, of knobheads? What, 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 what's it like being in a band with, uh, you know, um, you've got Luke and you've got me at the moment, you know. What's it like? Uh, yeah. Dish out some dish out, dish out some dirt <laughs> so we could just like I, yeah, ruin, I ruin my my image on the podcast. It's pretty easy to be honest. Oh, that wasn't the goss we needed, was it? <laughs> Bloody hell! Uh, Jesus Christ! I mean, Nate, you seem like you have such calm, chill energy about you, and Cole doesn't give opposite. off that vibe. Does that work? Are you a yin and yang? Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we both can't be like that, or nothing would get done. Someone has to be like, right, stop fucking about. We need yeah. to do something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Luke is sort of in between the two. He likes being a bit nutty, but he needs to be reined in every now and then. Yeah, uh, he does. When he's doing sort of jazz improv halfway through a rehearsal. Oh, my like, God, yeah. Stop. Just needs to stop. What a punts. But, you know, yeah, I think you have to be like that. I mean, in a, pretty much every good band that has... They're singing a guitarist to get on really well. They're almost exactly that way round. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sing- the singers Mc, are naturally more flamboyant, and, yeah. and then there's, you know, s- someone else in the band who's probably their writing partner. That is just the opposite. That's just yeah. You've got the front more... man, and then you've got the brains. I wouldn't know. I don't know <laughs> if I go that far, but <laughs> but I'm I'm normally on time. Let's put it that way. It's like it's like oh mate. 
Yeah, I, I've never been on time in my life. The amount of the, um, oh, the amount of times I'm messaging, like, what time are we recording? Hey, should we record at this time? Hey, hey, we're recording soon. Are you are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one. I had it I, once. Um, this wasn't with Cole, oh, but I had it where I go. was doing. Yeah, you, go, you both have a go. You both have no, a no, lovely no. go. This wasn't. This isn't about you. <laughs> I had it once where I was doing some filming with a friend. And we'd set the day and the time aside and it was a lot that we had to do in one day. And at this time he lived at home and I got to his house and his mum answered the door and was like, oh, um, he's still asleep. I was like, well, I'm going to go wake him up. And I literally was like, we've got stuff to do. And I went up to his room. I was like, mate, mate. Mate, <laughs> get up. I got the kettle on, made him a coffee, but was like, you need to get your shit together. We've got a lot to do today. That wasn't yeah. about oh cold. That was a. That another. does happen sometimes. <laughs> so, I mean, mm. I, I'm I'm so used to things being all about me, you know. So, it's just it's just a thing. To be fair, I've I don't think I've got quite that bad. Like, no. we've had ex band members who've been like that. For instance, remember when we were rehearsing at Oxford Cheer Music Music Rooms, Nath, and all the trouble I had to get on time to that because I had to pick someone up on the way. Mm-hmm. No, not naming names, but Jesus Christ. Like I'd messaged them half an hour before. I'm coming to your house. Sure thing. Turn up. And then, then they, uh, he'd be in his pants and be like, "Yeah, I'm just about to have dinner. What the fuck?" Yeah, I, it's not the only one either. Yeah, I do remember that. Unfortunately, I mean, it's not. It's not ideal, is it? It's not ideal. How do you it's deal? This is a good question, though. How do you deal with band drama? Because at least with an acting job, eventually that job's going to end. The show will finish within a few months. And when I've been ready to kill someone, I've been sat there going, I can grit my teeth until this is over. You guys have been going for like 10 years. So what? how do you deal with the when you piss each other off? You just fire someone. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I tell you what. The it smile like you're giving me, it, you really it mean sounds, that? <laughs> it sounds like he's taking the piss. But we, we, Nath, I think Nath will, will, might be able to phrase it better. But basically, we were kids for ages and we used to back away going, maybe they'll sort the game out. Maybe they'll just get their act together. And then there was a point, I think, where we just grew up quicker. And we just were like, we're not having any more fucking about. It, I think it was after the first time we had to fire someone. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was what our was first drama. What was that like? The first time you fire someone? Oh. Oh my god! What a fucking story. Go 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 go. <laughs> Nath, do you want to tell it? You're the guest. It wasn't pleasant. I mean, none of us. None it was of, funny. None Retrospectively, of us. It was hilarious. None of us are particularly confrontational people. I mean, we've probably got a bit better at it as we've got a bit older. But certainly, when we were like eighteen or whenever this, uh, no, we're a bit older. 18, 19, maybe 20. Might have been 20. I think we were. You know, like, we weren't fully developed as adults, so it was made particularly tricky by that. And also, we'd known the guy for years, so it was, it was pretty much like telling someone that... It was exactly like telling a girlfriend that you don't want to go out with them anymore because they do stuff that fucks you off, basically. It's the same process. It's exactly the same process. I had that quitting a job. It was just a day job moment. And um, it, it was a really good job. It was working with kids. It was before the one I have now. Management loved me, but it was either minimum wage on like an eight hour contract or go through the ranks and commit to full time, which wouldn't have worked with acting and no like healthy medium. And I got hmm. there one day 
like knowing I was going to quit. I'd got on another job and I get there before it opens and all three of the managers were there and it was like dumping three people at once and oh you God. could see their hurt. They were like, we wanted you to be one of us soon. Like, did we not support you enough? Would like, And I properly had to do it's not you, it's me with them because I was like, I have these creative dreams that I, I can't go and chase with this job and I'm sorry. And it was... Yeah, it was heavy. It was really mm. heavy. I mean, there's that line, isn't there? It's not you, it's me. Whereas we kind of had to say <laughs> the opposite. You. <laughs> you know? Yeah, ours was, we're going to fire ourselves and you can carry on. No. Yeah, we're leaving. I mean, I think, I think with firing band members, it's something that you just have to do. And there's, there's only one that I wish... And to yeah. be fair, he wasn't fired. It was just like, look, you haven't got enough time to commit. And he said, I know I haven't. And that was the end yeah. of it. But we're still yeah. mates. But yeah. that's yeah. the only one. That was the most recent one. That was Rick. And he's the only one that yeah. I regret having to let go because he was fantastic. Phenomenal bass player. We love really? him so much. He, he's such a nice guy. And um, he he's he's probably the best bass player we've ever had. He was, Def- he was, I, a, good, he was a good friend as well. And that was just... I mean, that was the easiest one because it was, he, I think he'd suspected that it had to happen and we didn't want it to happen, but there's only so long you can put up with it. So, yeah, no one wanted it. So in the end, unfortunately, we were like, yeah, look, mm. we need to I mean, sort something else out. That was symptomatic of a whole problem in the music industry as well, because the reason we had to fire him was because he, he worked as a bass player with a, with a uh, functions band, right? And in a functions band, you can make 250 quid in a night, right? As a bass player. Yeah. So that was his job. Whereas so the... we were asking him <clears throat> to, to give up his job to play in a band he actually liked. Whereas with our band, it was lose 250 pounds by doing a gig. Yeah. Well, not that much, but do you know what I mean? It's yeah, losing money, not making money. And, you know, I understand that it was just a situation at the end yeah. of the day. And it's it's... It's symptomatic of the whole problem. I think there's yeah. a really big topic you've touched on, Nath, as well, which is the fact that, and I think this is true in anything creative, um, it's this combination of friendship and work. And it's hard and you have to like, it's actually been a topic that's come up lately for me because there's a company I did um, a show with when I did Sweeney a few years ago. They've carried oh. on doing doing shows since then. And for, there was a point uh, last year, they were doing an open air production genius it meant they could sell tickets uh during covid and i messaged them and i said hey uh do you think so i didn't apply yet i said do you think i should apply and my friend the director said honestly no i don't in that kind and i really respected his honesty he was like nah you you don't qualify for this one and that's okay because the guy's got a job to do and a company to build up and a brand to deliver and i truly truly was okay with it and then interestingly this year they um, are working on a Shakespeare production. I don't want to give too much away just yet, but um, I said to them, I'd really love to be involved with that. Let me know when you start working on it. And when they did, they got back in touch with me and they asked me to be involved. And I now am, which is great. But then another friend who was also in Sweeney felt kind of hurt that she wasn't offered a part. And I had to say to her, look, he's our friend. Well, there's two of them that run it. So uh, a guy and a girl. I was like, look, they're our friends, but they've also got this company that they have to run. And it's 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 quite a tightrope to walk. And you have to really 
trust and respect each other to make those decisions fairly. Mm. No, sure. I can totally understand what you're saying. I think that kind Glad of filters we into... <laughs> we, we have... You know, being in a band is weird because it's, 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 is it like a workplace? Is it like a family? Is it like a group of mates? And me and Nath, I've said before, have ended up with this writing relationship where there's respect and not, you're not worried about saying, nah, I don't like that. You know? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that we've had in the band in the past that you couldn't, you know, if they brought an idea to the table and it was like, no, then you'd really struggle to say that. Would they? Would their like egos get hit? Oh yeah. From it. Yeah, I think it. Well, part. I mean, not everyone that's a musician is a songwriter as well. They're they're almost two separate things to a degree. Yeah. Because you yeah. have you have people that are super proficient on an instrument, but you know, as soon as you tell them to stop playing a Dorian Legato licks and say write a good riff or write a good song. Yeah, and they just can't they can't do it because they're not wired that way not every yeah. musician is a great songwriter so yeah. although we've had people in the band in the past that were maybe really proficient at their instrument they didn't have the other part of the package so yeah. and you tend to find that they just will literally steal an idea off I mean I remember someone in the past playing, yeah. playing us a thing and saying oh I'll come up with that what do you think and you go you've changed one chord from a Bon Jovi song or something like that and you're yeah. like on Van Halen riff, yeah. You're like, oh, that's that song. And he's like, no, no, I've wrote it. And you're like, this is the same rhythm no. and everything. Like, I could sing it over it. That's yeah. it. We can't can't use that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's what's tricky. And to be fair, most of the stuff that me and Cole do, there's never any of that. Like, the idea's there. And you, you might be like, oh, this, I can tell you've been listening to certain bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never go, ah, oh, yeah, that no you can't use that mate yeah we don't do that anymore and that's partially it's it's a skill you know songwriting is a skill and you have to work on it and you have to work on it by doing it you know but a lot of people as they said you know yes i'm doing this a dorian legato lick and i can go very very quickly i can actually do it at 185 bpm isn't that great and it's like well that's great but i want a good riff not dragon yeah. force <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry I brought them up. <clears throat> unfortunately, <laughs> most people don't want to hear that either. Not just Dragon Force. A lot of people do, but in terms of like fun. some musical things, like you know, there might be ten blokes sat at home, live with their mum that want to hear it, but it's not going to get you laid. That's the thing, and that's the most important thing, isn't it? Is that the question that's you the ask most yourselves? Important thing. Well, that's the like... most important thing to talk about on International Women's Day. Yeah, that's and you're what like... we. <laughs> Well, hey, it works both ways. If <laughs> exactly. Female musicians get laid as well, you know. Exactly. And rightly so. And that, rightly so. And it all comes from having a really good song. If you can have a little dance to it, you know, even heavy music is, you know, should be treated that way. Mm. Exactly. I mean, there's that's to a limit. I mean, obviously, there's super heavy stuff that you would For struggle. example, you know... All those disco bands like Cradle of Filth and things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. have a little have, dance to have a little have dance, a little dance yeah. to to Meshuggah or or Cannibal Corpse. I mean, technically, <laughs> it would be a dance. I'm not sure. You know, it's interesting how how the kind of bedroom guitarist thing has actually, I think, really changed um, 
how a lot of people are making money out of the industry because Nath, you'll know this amber you might not 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 but basically when i look through instagram i get advertised because i follow a lot of musicians and i follow like interesting like guitar maker people like um there's a company wire dog guitars which made Nath strat which is like my favorite strat i've ever heard but um i follow all these people and so i get a lot of adverts targeted at musicians right what's interesting is that a huge portion of that is all prog metal guitar players playing widly stuff that like you're not interested in unless you're already a guitar player i mean i think there is a there's a huge i remember i thought it was really weird i remember i was in a guitar shop one day and i was chatting to some other guy that was in there who was a bit younger and he was just like he obviously was very interested in playing guitar and obviously he could play to a like a decent standard and it was just very odd when i was chatting to him that he was bringing up all these youtubers as like influences and oh so and so on this show said this i was just sat there like hang on a minute you don't really listen to music like he's taking it to like a whole different level which is something that is around a lot these days where people there are these just famous bedroom guitarists that just sit at home will get a new pedal sent to their house do a little review on it yeah and then get and that's that's their living which is all fine but so some of them don't play in bands or have never played in bands and then never play live it just was a ever it just blew my mind that i was in a guitar shop talking to someone and he's like oh so and so from this show oh yeah yeah, he's really and then i was like oh so what sort of stuff do you listen to and he's like oh i don't really listen to much but i watch all these shows and i was like you've totally missed the point of playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's become its own little thing. You know what I mean? Like those bedroom guitarists where you just like see a video from them that comes out every week. And I think people are missing that um, being in a band is like a, a really important experience about growing up and knowing how to work with people and about compromise and yeah. about um, knowing when to hold your ground on something, how to interact with people better, how to work with people. It's a u- hugely valuable skill. Um, and I think it's something that people don't necessarily think of. People think that being in a band is a load of fun and getting drunk and getting fucked up. And to be honest, we know bands like that. And usually they don't get very far because they don't write any good songs and they act like arseholes to everyone else. And you get a reputation on the scene of being a bunch of wankers. And also like there are technical things. Like I know that you don't drink on days that you're performing because you don't want to fuck up your voice. I can't say the same, but... Yeah, well, you're not singing. It's fine. <laughs> but you, no. I've, I've seen some pictures of you but, going nuts while playing guitar with your hair flips, like mermaid level. Does that ever get difficult while you're actually playing your riffs? Or do you just know your riffs inside out? Only if you've had one too many. Because right. the thing that no one tells you about headbanging is that yeah. when you're doing it quite a lot, and obviously the longer your hair gets, the more you have to throw it out your face. It's very violent on the neck. And then you also, after you've been, say you've been headbanging solid for about 30 seconds and you think, right, coming up to the chorus, I need to move to the microphone, which is somewhere over there. I'm not sure where I am. Mm. And you do, the, you do the big... All that hair. You do the big final hair flip. And then you just, your brain just goes, oh, shit. And it's like G-forces. And you just go dizzy and like feel like you're going to fall over. Yeah. And then you're I... like, oh, the mic's there. And then sort of all the blood comes back and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you know and obviously the more beers you've had the more your balance is gone so if you throw your head back there's a few times i've almost ended up just chipping backwards straight into my amplifiers 
because you're just so unbalanced. Uh, so I, I try to limit the alcohol these days. And to be honest, when we start doing gigs again, I probably will limit it to a very small amount because I think the music's going to be harder and I'll yeah. have to concentrate more. And like a, year, a year of lockdown, you're going to have lost some tolerance. Uh, you'd have thought. Oh that. no! Oh, you <laughs> you would that's, think that's that was uh, that was a bit. Yeah, you you, you you don't know what's happened during lockdown. The kind of parties no. we've had online. Fair yeah, enough. we have. <laughs> I think I've actually drank more in the last year than I ever have before, uh, which I've put a stop to now. But well, we're, yeah. we're a bit of a hazard band for clumsiness on stage. Anyway, I know I am. <laughs> I in mean, my yeah. own right, just as one member. I remember when. Uh, we had a little thing in the set for a little while where I'd get on Cole's shoulders and he'd, oh God. he'd carry me through the audience playing guitar. Problem is, oh my God. The, the guitars are always quite heavy yeah. and me and Cole are literally like the same size. So <laughs> normally... I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Are you going to talk about Newcastle? Yeah, so normally... Oh, you, you fucker. Normally you've got some big burly roadie that can take the little petite musician on the shoulders no worries but Cole and we hadn't really practiced it very often we only ever We've did never it. Done it we only did it ever at gigs and I think we only did it about three times and this was we the last time we did it twice this is the second time was the last time and oh uh, my God. he sort of was taking me around and then I'm not sure quite what went wrong but he ended up trying to trying to drop me off but instead threw me over his <laughs> so I landed face first on a table of people uh, oh my god Cole. I, remember, I remember I remember pulling the guitar out of the way and just taking all the impact on my face because yeah. that's what that's your what face will recover do. the guitar won't that was that was at Trillian's Rock Bar in and Newcastle you know, that was that was the first time the whole night we'd actually got a reception out of the audience <laughs> like, they we, were fucking awful we'd been putting a lot of work in and just just we were getting like we thought it was going to be great when we turned up and we did sound check and like everyone started cheering and we're like, oh, that's, this is going to be a great night. But then all those and there were loads of people there. And all those people left. And then other people came in who I think were more interested in tribute bands. So I had, a, I remember having a Clash t-shirt on and all this one bloke just kept shouting out in between every song, play some Clash. And I was just like, no, fuck off. A bloke <laughs> walked up to me halfway through. I remember that gig and someone walked up to me halfway through saying, play Teenage Dirtbag. And I was like, you fuck yeah, off. Kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> Get fucked. Sorry, that was really harsh oh of me. Oh my god! I'm so, I yeah, don't know it, where it that was, came from. That's all right. That's all right. That's what. That's what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> so I nearly sorry. did it for him. I nearly did it for him. After that show, this is what. There was a bunch of fucking assholes there, right? Because afterwards, um, I was man in the merch stand, and these guys went off, and this guy came up. I'm saying, you guys got any uh, got any EPs? You got any got any albums going? I said, yeah, we got an EP for five quid. Yeah, you can have that for five quid. He's like, yeah, I don't want to spend five quid. Yeah, I, I tell you what, my mates, um, my mates like a DJ, at a local radio station, which by the way means fucking nothing if no. six people listen to your radio station. Uh, yeah, so I could uh, I could hand it to him. So uh, yeah, you go give it to me for free then. I was like, no, it's nope. five quid. There's a whole thing about the devaluing of, of the value of music, you know, in, wrapped up in that. I, I remember when we were um, at that place and I had a really weird... There was a bloke who was sat... He was chatting to me for ages at the bar, saying how much he liked the music and the set and stuff like that and everything. And I was probably talking to him for about... I was probably talking to him for like half an hour or so. 
Oh yeah, felt like that anyway. And then at the end, I was like, well, you know, do you, know, do you want to buy, do you want to buy some music or something like that? And he was like, oh no, I've only come out with a tenner. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's drinks for me and the missus all night. And I was just like, oh right, okay. And that's when I realised what Newcastle was like. <laughs> You meet a lot of strange people in this world. You know, really? People, <laughs> Tell me yeah, more. Yeah, people, I mean, for instance, me. You know, yeah, I'd um, say that's fair. Or people promising they're going to get you on tour with Iron Maiden and stuff like that. Yeah, it's com- complete delusionals. What's, uh, what's one of your favourite gigs we've done? Because that reminded me of, that happened just after one of my favourite gigs we did at Amplified. Yeah, I think a lot of the festival shows were always good. Uh there's a few shows we did in academies and stuff like that that were really good. Basically, if it sounds, if it's really loud and you're in a big venue, then I'm going to enjoy it because it's the real business. And when you can just, when everything's just massive, like gigs where you've had your own dressing rooms at the O2 academies and stuff like that, and you know it's just brilliant because you're just in the mood. You haven't been having to stand up front shouting with people for hours, so you're all hoarse and you're just not in the mood. You've had time to sit down get your sort of gig head on, focus, and you're actually sat there ready, and then you go out on stage, and then you just absolutely smash it, because everything's gone right. So I think all those sort of shows are the best ones. Ones where you turn up and, you know, there's you and six other bands milling around for five hours, all trying to, you know, all dick measuring with each other. Oh, God, yeah. I just don't enjoy that. I just want to go and sit somewhere quiet and just be on my own with these guys. We had a few ones like that. We had a few ones, a few ones like that. Do you remember <coughs> we played we played the Ace Cafe, and we were um we had to turn up, and this bloke's ZZ Top ACDC tribute band were on. This, this, do you remember them? This was years ago, but yes. I yeah, we were that. we were still kids back then, basically. But um, yeah, we turned up, and the guys sound checking during our set. There's two stages, and we were supposed to rotate the stages, but this one guy just been like, my band's taking this stage for the entire event when there's like 12 bands on, you know? Tell us about the Ibiza show we did. Yeah, so we got flown out to Ibiza. Um, we had someone pick us up from the airport holding one of the signs with the band name on it, which was wicked. Uh, and we got into yeah, this, yeah. we got into this like huge people carrier with tinted windows. And the guy, the driver was like, oh, what do you want to listen to? We've got... ACDC, Metallica, and just started listening to stuff. So we just said, oh, whatever, got driven half an hour to the hotel. Like, royalty. It was brilliant. So we thought, oh, you know, the gig's going to be amazing. And it was okay in the end. But we were waiting to be picked up the following night to be taken to the venue for sound check. And the guy was like an hour late picking us up, wasn't he? We were just. Well, it was two hours in the end. We were just sat outside the front of the venue, just like, where is this guy? And we knew who he was because we'd met him at the airport, strangely. And uh, anyway, he turned up in the end and he was like, oh, sorry, I was late. I was having a, I had a really heavy night last night and I was having a kip. But he was such a like friendly bloke that we were just like, oh, you know, no worries. As long as, you know, we're there for like the start of our sound check. And then there was loads of traffic and we were late. And then the whole time we were driving there, there was this other band, that a pretty famous band called Reckless Love, who were also playing. Prick Love who were also playing on the bill with us. We were the first band of four. And uh, he was moaning about them being prima donnas in the car, basically, slagging them off, which was entertaining. And uh, yep. I remember him searching through all the radio stations to find the shittest one to have on 
when they got back in the car to be taken to the hotel. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, brilliant. And then I remember one of them one of them phoned I think it was the drummer phoned him up whilst we were in the car and he was like, Oh hey man, where are you? And he was like I remember he like just told him to fuck off and like hung up. And he was not in the mood for them. And anyway we got, <laughs> He was great that guy. We got there and got quickly ushered in and they 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 sort of left as they jumped in the van as I don't even think they gave us time to get out. I think I, no, I remember that. They started me going off. in just as we were taking stuff out. We were the trying back, to like yeah. unload gear out of the van, and they were already climbing in it. And I was just like, "These guys are pricks." We'd all we'd played a gig with them years before, or a couple of years beforehand. But anyway, yeah, in Oxford. So yeah, yeah, we get into the venue. We're using backline that the festival is supplying, so it's we've got our own guitars and stuff, but amplifiers and everything is stuff we're not familiar with particularly. So you need a few minutes to sort of accustom yourself to the equipment and i remember we we got there got the guitars out plugged the pedal boards in or whatever and then we're trying to negotiate these amplifiers and then the sound guys were like so come on you need to start you know mm. playing something we were just like jesus we've just got it because it was unusual wasn't it because usually in that kind of thing you bring your own amp head and then use the cap but they were asking us to use like their black star <laughs> Yeah, it was, just, amps. it was just all rented backline. And I think most bands, apart from like the bigger bands, which was like everyone else, had flown all their own gear in just because they were getting paid a lot of money to do it. So anyway, we had about three minutes, I reckon, on stage plugging stuff in. And then they were bolstering us to give us some a tune. So we were like, okay, so we literally played about 40 seconds of music. I think we just, yeah. made, it, we just made it out of the intro to our first track on the set. And then they were like, right, yep, yeah, sound check's over. And then the, the, Mad. the other thing that had happened was they'd opened the doors, but we hadn't noticed whilst we were sound checking. So people started walking into us playing, and then they were like, oh, pe-, but they'd opened the doors like 20 minutes early for no reason, yeah. which was our sound check time. So we literally were just stood there like, what are we going to do? Because this stuff isn't sounding right, and now we can't. So we're having to like make adjustments basically during the first song. But I remember feeling mad. In- I remember being we were all incredibly stressed. Yeah. But for the hour in between that and when we were actually performing, because we were just wandering around, having a couple of beers, I think, trying to calm down outside, just like this is gonna be awful because like none of the levels are set. You just it's embarrassing. We've flown all this way to be treated like absolute shit by these people. And it wasn't just like one person, it was just a series of fuck-ups that had led to it. But it was so disappointing because we were just like, you know, this is a big deal for us and this is terrible. And we were all just distraught, basically. But then I remember us wandering back into the venue and I was trying to work out what the amp might sound like without it being switched on, (laughs) which is tricky. Yeah. And then having to make some adjustments literally i think there was a video of us with our opening song and i disappear out of the video for yeah. about 10 seconds because i'm just fiddling with it trying to like and also it's really dark in the wings of the stage obviously so you're like i can't actually see what i'm doing so i'm just gonna twiddle a few knobs you know it's always good to do that in the dark twiddle a few knobs but we know yeah. all about that don't we knife so but in the end Whoa. in the end it was really good and the actual gig it was went, good. The gig went really smooth. It did sound good, surprisingly. Uh, it's a great gig. Really good. Here's a question. How do you guys plan your set list? Oh, the first and the ending has to be really good, didn't it, Nath? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I try and... Nath does that, actually. 
I try and do the songs in terms of guitar changeovers because you know some songs are in certain tunings so I basically it's all about me really so I just think it's all my life is all about him love of my life I just think well these guitars need to be used for these tunings so I'll keep them together and then swap them uh so you you want to have something really good that's going to be an eye catcher straight away and then you know keep the first couple of songs fairly pacey or like big tunes then not that any of our songs really were it didn't really sort of go down from that it was just always like that Mm. big riffs manifesto big Uh, riffs do you have any like slow chill no. The like chill part of the set songs? No, they don't exist. Slow, slow songs for the week. We didn't. No, I mean we might do in the future, but at the time it was just every song was just. What's the longest set you've done? Hour and a half. Oh yeah, hour and a half. I'd say yeah. Cool. Which is it's, it's a fucking long time. I mean, to that's be a fair, lo- that's a long time. For that, for that one, we had to chuck a few covers in. To be fair, but yeah. So there might have been something slower, or stuff just off the hip that we all sort of knew. Oh, let's try that. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Bit of ACDC, bit of the darkness. Yeah. But um, yeah, so sets are normally like that. You always want to start and finish on a bang. The problem yeah. is every song we seem to write, you go, this would be a great set opener. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Yeah. So that'd be a good set opener. We should open the set with this. How can we open the set with this when we op- want to open the set with every single fucking one of them? Yeah, it is a real problem. But hey, like we, I said we, to Carl the other day, it's much better to be that way than... Than to be like, oh man, God, how do we do this? These are all these are all so droll. Which are we going to start the set with? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't want to put them to Which sleep. Which I, I imagine a lot of bands have to do. So, yeah. you know. We don't have that speaking of, di- speaking of dick measuring, there is a, there's a lot of that in bands, you know. Uh, and, and it's something you have to... You have to do this weird balance of you have to have a part of you that's like I want to go out there and be the best band of the night. You, there has to be a part of you that does that, but also everyone has to do that, and you have to respect other people, and it's and it's because it's the right thing to do, you know. But it means that some you get a, a lot of it is a lot of young men who are immature getting together every Friday, Saturday night, all being crammed into a venue with each other and all be like, we're the fucking best. It's this whole thing. We've yeah. talked to, it, it's, it's a part of the subculture me and Nate have always struggled with, I think. It's different if there's people you're genuinely friends with, but a lot, yeah. of, a lot of the time, like, it's such a hard thing because, because we became fairly well known on the circuit, everyone is trying to ponce something off of you. So everyone's yeah. like, oh, like, I just felt like we were like grasses for the police to a degree because these people just come up to us and be like, oh yeah, so you know about this, tell us about that or where'd you do that or how'd you do that or, you know, it's just always something like that and you just felt like you've been taken advantage of all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and it was just like, just go and discover stuff like we did. Like, put the time in. Have a look at some recording studios and what equipment they have like we do. It's not hard. Don't just go, oh, your EP sounded good. I want to go there. Because also, it's not that straightforward because it was mixed in an entirely different studio. So, yeah. But it always just felt a bit like that. Not always. There's there's a few bands that it was never like that with. But there's yeah. a lot of bands where you could tell they're just acting pally to you. Yeah. And you can literally just feel the question burning up. And then, oh, um, yeah, so uh, how, how, did you get on, how did you get on that festival then? And then you're like... All of that. All right. the time. Do you know what's interesting? All the time. 
there's in my opinion there's no harm in asking questions for people who are a few steps ahead of you but just like be kind of upfront about it it never ended up happening because of lockdown but I messaged someone that I met at a networking event so we had literally met at an event designed to help people meet each other but I messaged her one day and went hey you're doing so well lately would you mind if you've got the time um we go for a coffee on me and I can ask you some questions and pick your brain and she Mm. was like absolutely if you're gonna ask people just be a bit honest about it just go do you know what I really admire your work I'm really impressed by you we're at a time that works for you like respect your time and everything I'd love to ask you some stuff but to just try and like slip it in at the bar is just a bit it was to be fair to be yeah you're right it is it was like that but there's there was a lot of bands that we would give advice to if they if they wanted it just because they'd take the time and you knew that that they wouldn't just see you and make a beeline and then be talking to you for two minutes and then be like get what they want and and leave oh someone else is over there i'm gonna go you know here here is the prime example right so, because we're not stingy with information, we've never been a stingy band. But Nate, how many times have people looked at your fucking gear and gone, "Oh, I want to go on that. Uh, oh, you're on before us. Can I have a go on your amp, or can I have a go on your stuff?" How many times has that happened to you? Because you were just like, "Okay, basically, Nate is a tone hunter, which is what you really want in a guitarist, right?" He goes, "I know, I know what sounds good, and I know what sounds shit. So I'm going to make sure all my stuff sounds good, right?" Yeah. How many times has that happened to you, Nate? It's also why I've got no money, but yes. I was going to um, say, and you've probably spent a lot of money on that equipment. Like a yeah. lot. It's not cheap. Yeah. No, you're right. It's um, The worst for it is the London bands, where yeah. no, there's not a car between six of them, uh, and they will turn up to the venue on the tube yeah. with a little pedal board and one guitar, or they've got a little, amp- London bands. Or, or a little amplifier <laughs> head that just sucks. And, th- and we've driven for like... It could be an hour and a half to get into central London. From I mean, we're not. We're in, I'm only thirty miles away from London. Oh, the other thing is that we've further. all driven. We've all driven to each other's houses to all, go into the van together. We're all in the van. We turn up together, and, and a lot of the first few times we played in London, we were the first band on. So yep. really, yeah, because you were from we're, outside, out of town. We're the last. We're the last people in the hierarchy to be lending gear out. We're the first band on. We need to get our stuff out of the venue after we play, and probably go home. But then. You're getting people, oh, yeah, I haven't got one of those. Or the amount of people that told me their amp blew up only that afternoon. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> how, how, yes, crazy. So, how unlucky must you be? Your amp blows up that afternoon, so you have to get the lovely Marshall to have a I go I mean, on. Cole has actually, this was the pet peeve you gave in our first ever episode. This was the first remember. episode. But, like, fucking... what do you say then, Nath? When, when they look at you and go, oh, with those puppy eyes, with their little <sighs> fucking skinny jeans and their side fringes, and they go, oh... I don't have that amp. What do you do? Well, to be fair, a lot of the time I just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, or, See or, why I love or, him. Or, yeah. or I'll be talking to someone and Cole comes over like pretending to ask me because he already knows what I'm going to say and he's like, oh, so-and-so's asking, but I know you don't want to, so I'm just making it like I'm asking you, but I'm not asking you. He'll be like that. And yeah, I'll yeah, go, yeah, and then he'll okay. go back and be then like... he goes, no, nah, sorry. I mean, to be fair, if it's someone I know... Then that's different i have Again, done yeah but i don't mind i don't mind sharing guitar speaker cabinets because it's a speaker cabinet as long as they don't fucking blow it up yeah. i don't mind but amplifiers is just so much more personal because you've spent sometimes days tuning them in exactly how you like it and it only takes someone to move one knob and then when it's your turn to play you're like 
What's that? What's that? What's what the fuck sound? have they fuck done? Have done? It sounds weird. Yeah. So we, we, you know, after we fired our first drummer, we had um, a really lovely bloke who's a lot older than us actually step in for a couple of gigs that we had booked. And we did one down in Tunbridge Wells. I think Nave knows what I'm going to say about now. Yeah. So we did uh, with actually the headline band was actually a pretty famous band, I think. From the, at 80s, one point from, in the time. from the from the eighties, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. I don't give a shit about naming names. They're called Diesel Park West. They're a bunch of cunts. All right. <laughs> so. And that's why so I love you. <laughs> they, they were they were a bunch of fucking yeah. assholes. We turned up. They were looking down at us like shit, which I do not appreciate, especially considering they were fucking pants. Okay. <laughs> and, and um, Rob, this guy, our, our, our mate, a drummer, who is the loveliest guy in the world. Um, had stepped in to do these gigs that we'd booked in, right? And uh, n- the house kit at the venue was fucking terrible, okay? It was an awful drum kit. So Rob was like, well, fortunately, I know what... I've I've been in the game for ages, so I brought my own drum kit. So we're the opening band. Oh, no, we were the second band on, I think, of like three, four bands. And... Um, I think it was more than that, but it's not... Yeah, doesn't, there was really there was matter. at least at least four bands, and we were the second band on. I remember that because there was a band called Shipwreck something. I don't know at the start. Um, Rob sets up his kit, and he's like, "It's all right if other people can play it. They just got to use their unbreakables, which I've talked to you about before, Amber. So that's things like cymbals and stands and stuff like that, right? So basically, the shells are there. So Rob sets up his kit. We do our sound check. Then the headline band come on to do their sound check, and they started throwing his stuff around. And throwing his symbols on the ground, like chucking them on the stage he and was, stuff. He was treading on them, I remember. Yeah, sta- standing on the symbols and stuff, which you do not fucking do. Obviously. And detuning the guy's <laughs> drums. So he detuned his drums. So it's important to have your drums in in tune because it, it means that when you hit them and it resonates with what everyone else is doing because it's it, it's just an important thing. And a lot of yeah. drummers forget about it. Yeah. Um, and Rob knows loads about that. So he sets up his drums perfectly for how he needs them for our set. Yeah. Right? And so the the drummer from the headline band, who is really just loudmouth gobby asshole, detunes his drum, throws Rob's stuff, and, and Rob is like, "I have to go sit in the car, otherwise I'm going to batter I'm him." I'm going to actually kick his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to tell you what it was. Also Easter Sunday. <laughs> just uh, to add insult. I think we'd done three gigs that week. I had ten pounds to my name. I seem to remember, which is probably about the same as Cole. I remember spending my last tenner on six inch subway and some backy at the time and <laughs> and my nan had given me like a crate of guinness for easter so it was so bloody cold that they were just sat in the car and they were just perfect temperature but it was like <laughs> that's the sort of commitment that we had and still have i mean we're not quite that skin these days but do you know what i mean and then people do yeah. stuff like that yeah, to your yeah. stuff and you're just like seriously i've spent all my money on this yeah Fuck off. Yeah. I've worked really hard to get to the exact level that I'm at and it's taken time and money and savings and yeah, no, I totally get that. That that gig was really funny because the band after us, Nate knows what I'm gonna say now, but the band after us were from Croatia and they uh, brought a they, were they had brought they were such lovely guys and they brought so much weed. <laughs> and, and and so we had two guitarists at the time, didn't we, Nave? And the other guitarist was went on stage and, and, and shared a spliff with spliff with the drummer from that band, who's no, really nice. I had as well. Oh, you had as well. Both oh, of I us. wasn't going to put you in it. I know you had as well, but I wasn't going to put you in it. But never mind. So Nave and <laughs> and the drummer and the old guitarist, but but Nave can hold his shit. 
um, the other guitarist was just off his tits, right? It was it and, was really and, strong. And so, being a singer, I didn't do any of that. Of I don't smoke anyway. No. Um, but the thing was that the the green room was behind the stage, and they'd left the door open. So and they and they were Croats, so they didn't really give a shit about the you're not supposed to smoke inside rule. So yeah. they were just hotboxing the green room, right? That's brilliant. So we're on stage. The other guitarist is just high as fuck. Nath is like, what are my fingers doing? Because I, I remember you saying afterwards, <laughs> like, man, this feels really weird. And well, I'm like taking my big breaths in to do all these big high notes. I'm just like, fuck me, that's a lot of weed. Because it's all coming through the back. I Yeah, I my biggest memory of that gig was uh, playing. But I just had no control. It was a bit like in, uh, in between us where we'll leave. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> It wasn't as bad as that, but no. my left hand, I was just like, I was thinking the chord change and it was happening, <laughs> but I couldn't feel it happening. Like I was just looking at my hand and I was like, oh God, there's a tough bit coming up in one of the songs and I just haven't got the dexterity. But then I was thinking it, my hand was just like moving around, but yeah. I just felt like I wasn't doing anything to it. It was just so it was strange. Probably, it was probably muscle memory more than anything else. Yeah. If you played that song enough times, your hand just went, yeah. I got this, it's fine. <laughs> Oh my yeah, god. That was funny. Well, here's a question. Nath, have you ever got naked? Because Cole loves it. In the context of your band, not just in life. <laughs> I mean, to be he's fair. Never, he's never been naked. He has a shower Ever. in his pants. Yeah. He I makes mean, love yeah. with eye contact. <laughs> I, I have been having a shower whilst Luke's having a wee and Cole's doing his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that was a travel lodge somewhere. And it was just like, I just remember I was still having a shower and just Luke walks in and just pulls the curtain back going, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, all right, mate. Like, Whoever said... We have the, no boundaries. It was just like, Whoever it was said just so working nice. in a band wasn't glamorous. Bloody hell. There's a lot of weird shit that, like, you know, just wrestling in your pants in hotel rooms, like... <laughs> one, inch pun- oh, yeah. one inch punching each other across the room. Yeah. Uh, we beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Yeah, there's me and Luke had that slap fight, and there's that amazing video I've got where I just smacked him as hard as I could. What about the time Jamie with the spatula? Why don't you tell tell Amber, tell, tell Amber <laughs> and the listeners about that? Jamie yeah. and the spatula. Yeah, so there was a guy, one of my mate, a good good mate of mine. He was like a professional at the time. He was a professional guitar technician for bands like McFly and stuff like that. Loads of bands. And um, Young Guns, stuff like that. And uh, he used to help us out for no money. And it's before me and Cole could drive. So he used to drive us around to shows. And uh, he had a really hairy ass. We are such a bunch of wasters, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that word in ages. And uh, I just remember saying, I don't know why, I think I must have been a bit pissed. And on the way home, was that when we just seen Martin Clunes at the service station as well? Yeah, we had. We saw Martin Clunes <laughs> at the service station. With his, mind, like, with his minder. Uh, yeah, that was so weird. We were just like, oh, it's Doc Martin. And, anyway. and, and Jamie's, Jamie was going on about his hairy ass. That's Jamie, the premise <laughs> Jamie kept talking to us about his hairy ass. So I, I said to him, in my head I thought, oh yeah, we could do something funny. So I said to Cole, as soon as we get back to my house, take the keys and there's this really thick plastic spatula in the kitchen. I said, go and grab that and just meet me back outside. 
Cole didn't ask any questions. He was just like, yep. No. Yep, yep. So, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. So then I said to Jamie, I was like, look, when we get home, we're going to have a comp. We need to see each other's asses because I reckon mine's worse than yours. I knew it wasn't. But Who's got the hairiest arse I was like, let's get our asses out and compare. So then obviously I knew Cole would come obviously. back out and slap him on the ass really hard. So got up, got home, jumped it out of the car, fucking thick trousers spatula. down, Cole comes back with his spatula and hits him so fucking hard that he couldn't sit down for about two days. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I remember once it, at a house party. It's right. um, He's like a millionaire now, it's fine. Do you those, yeah, there's just weird days where amongst your mates things really escalate. I'm sure you do. One guy at a house party didn't have his shirt on and I can't remember which order. I think, yeah, one guy get, smacked him on the back and made a perfect, beautiful <laughs> handprint. And then our Ooh. other friend, who has always been a brilliant artist and is now nice actually an animator, drew like a super bad style penis on his back. So it looked like, nice. a, it looked like a war tank, but the gun was a dick. And then we all signed it. It was a good night. Oh, lovely. Yes. We, we, we're no strangers to the backhand prints, are we, Nath? Cole's had a couple. Let's, yeah. put, it, let's put it that way. And so I think Luke's had one. Things just get out of hand. Hey, folks. Uh, thank you for joining us, Nath Digman. Uh, it's been wonderful guitarist Woo! of Hell's Gazelles. And you can check out Hell's Gazelles all over the shop, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, because we're down with the kids. You've been listening to Riffs and Scripts. My name is Cole Bryant. My name is Amber Sava. As always, if you want to get in touch, it's riffsandscripts at gmail.com or riffsandscriptspod on Instagram. Nay, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, darlings. All right, have a good one, guys. It's been a mush. It's been a mush. Been a mush. See you soon. Bye-bye. Peace. That is a tough ask. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Nate's got a tough ass. Have you got a tough ass? I've had a nightmare of a time trying to break into that thing. It's like, yeah. Fort, it's like Fort Knox. <laughs> Do you remember Rick's musical farts? Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah. They were brilliant. What? Anyway, um, fuck. <laughs> gonna have to edit the absolute shit out of this. Jesus Christ. Yeah, tell me, count me in for a clap. Okay, Nath, we're gonna go one, two, three, clap, okay? And you're going to have to do it as well. Are you ready? One, two. Oh, wait. No, no. He's got to do his vape. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Oh, more than one. Just he one. Did, no, two, one. Imagine Just it's one. like a clapperboard so that all the recordings yeah. are in time with yeah, each other. Yeah, so we could do That's the, the clap doing. at the same time. Your penis. Right, should we try that again? <laughs> Hang on. I've, right. dropped, I've dropped a coaster. Oh shit! This is this is this is already fucking off the wall. Oh, I love right. it. I want uh, I want that after as the after credit moment. Hang on, this I is already the after credit moment. Right. All right. Okay. Are you ready, everyone? Well, don't do the one. Mean... We're gonna do one, two, three, and then you're gonna clap once, Nate. Yeah, but okay. what I'm saying is, I'm not used to doing the one only one, two, three. It's normally Luke doing yeah, it's the one, two, three, one, two, three, four. Yeah. And then Russian or yeah. Dragon, one of those two. All yeah, right. Of course. One, right. two, three. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hell. That was great. <laughs>